This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome. Carm Capriato here. And join me each and every week for insights from my guest host and an industry first, a live virtual job tour, a Take the Automotive Trivia Challenge, Unwrap Your Fortune of the Week, and a whole lot more. The video version of this show is on aftermarketweekly.com. Hey, yes, just a small ripple in the water and all ships can rise. Hey, it's the holiday show. It's Carm Capriato, Aftermarket Weekly, and uh, we are live from the Remarkable Results Radio Podcast Studio. You are with Aftermarket Weekly, uh, the most unique aftermarket resource ever, and it was invented by Tom Ham and myself uh, back this spring. And guess who my guest host is today? Well, it is Mr. Ham himself. How are you, man? Not not too bad. Is that background? Is that a real background, or are we looking at a green screen there? Or what? what? That is a green screen, but it's a real background that happens. Okay. That happens to be my great room at my house. It looks com- uh, it looks completely real. You could have told me the other, and I would have bought it. So yeah, it looks very, very cool with the wood. I can see uh, the side and the snow and the woods and the whole. Yeah, bit yeah. Up. You can see the sides and the woods and all that stuff. Yeah, that's my place. Love it. Okay, Tom is here to talk about a couple of really important things you know. Tom's from Automotive Management Network and AutoCentric, a shop in Grand Rapids. The thing I love about Automotive Management Network is the surveys that are up. And if you're not a member, please become a member of that great organization. And Tom is bringing some surveys, and uh, he's going to bring us survey results. It's useful in 2021. We're going to talk about loaner cars, customer transportation needs, and shop ownership. And the data is great, Tom. Thank you so much for compiling that and having it available to the industry. Oh, yeah, it's fun. We, we love doing it. And, and I, I learn all kinds of stuff from these surveys. Fun. I bet you do. What an advantage you have. <laughs> I know. Uh, being on the, on, the, on the bottom rung of the ladder, we're with Neil Crozier today from Car Clinic Lowell, Arkansas. Look at that. Doesn't he look? He's really... <laughs> a, a nicer guy than his picture shows. <laughs> and anyway, uh, Neil is here. He's got probably a great story to tell you about coming, uh, just landing from England, his home country. And, and to be here, he, he landed yesterday. If you miss watching this, you, you miss watching the the archived video on the website while you're mobile. Just uh, subscribe to aftermarketweekly.com. Hey, I've got a trivia question for you. Hey, Tom, I'm not sure you may even know the answer to this. Who was the Chevrolet chief engineer who was considered the spiritual virtual father of GM small block engine family, the 350? One of those that I know, but I can't think of right now. That's Okay. Because I have the answer. I have the answer later. Every once in a while, people say, hey, you got a favorite episode or two. And I love all my kids, almost 900 episodes. But every week I try to put up something that I especially like. And here's one. It's a classic episode. And it is called In Praise of Our Trainers, Eric Ziegler and Bob Greenwood. Let me tell you a little bit behind the scenes on this episode 387. We recorded this at Apex two years ago, uh, Bob had written an article, and I'm talking to Eric on the phone. He says, hey, did you see that Greenwood article in praise of our trainers? And I, he says, I really loved it. And I said, you both are going to be at Apex. Let's talk about it. And uh, you, both Bob and Eric, completely outspoken guys. It is a great classic episode to listen. And what's going on recently 
We had a couple of great uh, episodes out. Social media influencer, do what's right and not easy. Scott Brown and Matt Fonslow. Uh, some pretty heavy talk here. Uh, about social media, and Greg Buckley showed up uh, way outside the box thinking uh, it, this whole thing to do with where you're getting your information, the octopus. It's You can only imagine, me and Buckley got into the studio, and it went places I didn't expect. So this is some really, truly out-of-the-box stuff. Okay, Tom, are you ready to uh, uh, walk through these surveys with us and bring us some just excellent, excellent information? And and what I said earlier is true. Let this information help you in 2021. Yeah, we designed the surveys in such a way, you, if you go, there's over 100 surveys, all the results on there. And uh, they're really designed to be helpful management surveys. So you're wondering about, I wonder what's going on. What What are people thinking about this? What are they doing about this? That's what our surveys are. You go in there and see what other shop owners, what are they doing at the other shops? And, and it it helps with your decisions a little bit uh, to just give you a flavor of what's going on out there. Uh, the first one is on shop ownership. And uh, we'll, we'll occasionally make this as large as we can so you can see this. But this is really good stuff, Tom. This is a great question that uh, you got a lot of fun answers to this. You know, uh, what are you going to do? I mean, how are you going to get out? Someday you're going to get out, right? So how are you going to get out? And uh, people have, you know, they got different plans, so on and so forth. Almost half, I, I'm going to put it on the open market, uh, just kind of, I guess, like you put your house in the MLS uh, and, uh, and, and sell it. Um, hopefully... They got all their numbers straight because that's the biggest thing with that. Often uh, people go to do that. The numbers aren't straight and uh, that causes problems. Uh, sell it uh, sell it to an employee. Uh, sell it to a partner, family members, close doors, shut it down. Uh, you got about a quarter of the people are going to uh, staff or a partner. Uh, about one in eight family, about one in eight just close the doors and walk away, which, which is kind of sad. I, I, I always, I, I'd love to talk to those people and find out why, why are you just going to close the doors and walk away? I mean, there, there's got to be some value there, but uh, so uh, those ones always uh, uh, curious about the answer on that. And, and finally, the answer with the, the, the least amount of response is I'm not going anywhere. Now, you know, we laugh at that and say, well, you mean you got to get out someday and they, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, so, I, you know, does that mean they just die back there in the shop somewhere or something? But uh, you start to think about it a little bit. This may be the smartest answer. Here's what I mean by that, especially as our, our society is aging, getting healthier, so on and so forth. Shop owners gradually spend less time as you get older. So instead of retiring, start to cut out the things that you don't like to do, the things that are stressful, uh, the things that are uh, detrimental in some way, and just just the things that you enjoy, just retain those. So we go from 50 hours to 40 and a few years later to 30, and you could just kind of keep going. And, and uh, you could think, of, well, you got to get to an age at some point where you bail out. Well, not really. Uh, you could just be five, 10 hours a week remotely on your computer, kind of supervising, kind of looking things over. Uh, you retain a nice income. You got a reason to get up in the morning. 
and and you re, and you remain part of it. And the only thing you're doing at that point is just the stuff you absolutely love. So uh, I would think that's an option that more and more people are going to look at, consider. What you're really saying is I have learned to run my business better and I'm taking it easy and the team is running it. And it's almost like your situation. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I do here. You know, I, I have to reduce time. Otherwise, I get yelled at by uh, my partner, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> But it's so interesting. By the way, as a comment, uh, I've got an interview coming up with a young 28-year-old who is part of a succession plan, 28, buying a business. She's an employee. Cool. I know. And and she's exciting. She's dynamic. And and as I talked to her previous, before we are getting ready to record, she says, Carm, I'm buying a business before I'm buying a house. That, that's probably a better order to go in anyway. Isn't that interesting? So <laughs> Much better return on investment. Tom, I, I have to say that I got three very young 20, 30-something interviews coming up, and I almost may be calling 2021 for the podcast the year of our youth. Well, well that's good because you, you were just running over your favorite broadcast here a few minutes ago, and I noticed that everybody in there was over 60. <laughs> Probably except fans low, but uh, I think everybody else was. Okay, thanks for pointing that out. Yes, very good. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's get that next survey up. Uh, it is about loaner cars. I've been fascinated by this. Yeah, we got a couple of surveys on loaner cars. Uh, the first one relative to sales, we were trying to figure out some kind of a uh, comparison. You know, we can ask shops how many loaner cars you have, but. Uh, you know, how big is your shop or small is your shop changes that. So we, we put it in a ratio type thing. So yeah. uh, basically how many loaner cars do you have per million in sales? Uh, and uh, uh, almost half have none. About one in six have slightly more than none, just one or two. Uh, about a quarter uh, have two to four loaner cars per million dollars in sales. And still, that's really not a lot if you're talking about uh, comparing them to the dollars. And you only have about one in eight shops that uh, have what I would consider, personally anyway, a big fleet of loaner cars, where they do a million in sales and they got eight, 10, 12 loaner cars. And that that really becomes part of the marketing for those shops where, where it's often the cornerstone. They're, they're the place that people know they can go to to always get that car. And, and uh, there's always been a few shops around that do that. And it, it's just a unique way of, of uh, putting all your marketing dollars in there and using that as one of your big draws. And it depends on your community. Some communities probably work better than others. Uh, I think as COVID fades... Uh, ride surface uh, ride services are going to be uh, a little bit more popular. They're still in use now. Obviously, I still use them, uh, and uh, more shops I think are slowly switching over to uh, to Lyft and Uber, so on and so forth. Uh, the biggest reason is cost. Uh, the, the The cost of ride sharing versus all the other modes of customer transportation is so low. Uh, that it's uh, if you can do it and if your customers accept it. And we, we found that acceptance rate among customers was way higher than what we expected. But it, it's just a great way to save some money without uh, getting into liability and insurances and car maintenance and acquisition and just all the costs where it's just a, just a, a dashboard on your computer, if you will, and a couple of clicks and you're all done. And uh, uh, in most areas, the cost is not that great. Well, Tom, I've seen a trend for to more loaner cars, and we've done episodes on that. There's even services out there, as you well know, that will help you manage and run a loaner fleet. 
Oh yeah, yeah. We we have we're, we we kind of have our foot a little bit in both worlds. We try to go. Uh, we we try to go with the ride sharing first, and we try to reserve the loaners uh, for the for the people who have to actually have a vehicle to go a lot of different places while the vehicle's at our shop. Got it. A lot of people, it's just there for the day, and you just get an Uber there and Uber back, and you're good to go. Hey, Tom, the next survey is customer transportation at your shop, and it kind of loans itself to the whole loaner car thing is how are you getting customers to and from? Uh, number one answer there is we have a, a shuttle that's uh, free to uh, free to customers and about two thirds of the shops say they offer that <laughs> kind of the surprising thing there is I've, I'm almost surprised that there's a third of shops that don't offer people a ride. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just the world that I grew up in uh, that every shop does that nearly as many offer pickup and delivery over half offer loaner cars, which we were just on about one in seven offer fee based loaner cars where we either have a, a, a some kind of a thing that's similar to a rental. Sometimes it's a flat fee, uh, some just do a flat fee, no matter how long you have the car, even whether it's a day or a week, some have a day thing. Some uh, There's different ways to do that. Uh, just use your imagination. About one in eight offer a fee-based shuttle or ride sharing or pickup and delivery. There's so many expenses nowadays in certain areas, again, demographics, depends where you are, where you can get a fee for this customer transportation. And it's uh, people are happy with it. It's acceptable. Uh, it just depends, again, on the market that you're in. Uh, bottom line, I would say that shops are slowly beginning to charge for what was usually a free service in the past. And uh, look for that number to grow as some of the other expenses go up uh, and people are looking for areas to save a few bucks. As always, my friend, great information. Tom Ham, Automotive Management Network. You you hang around with us, Tom. And uh, we'll, we'll hang out with uh, Neil Crozier here in just a minute. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Always good and wise stuff. Every episode that we do is archived on aftermarketweekly.com. Please go out there and, you know, instead of watching Game of Thrones, just watch Aftermarket Weekly. Binge on that this weekend. <laughs> oh, there's, a, there's an interesting choice. And I got another really uh, important thing to give you is required listening is I was looking back and thinking, you know, if it, it, we'd love every year to be the year of the customer. Well, John R. DeJulius, and I read that book cover to cover in days, Customer Service Revolution. I got him to come on with Alan Beach, and it is a great episode, and it's probably something that you and your service team should absolutely listen to and then get motivated and go out and buy John's book and read it. We have a fortune, and I, I just had to reach down and get my fortunes. Ignorance never settles a question. Hmm, that's pretty deep. Yeah, isn't it deep? Wow. Ignor ignorance never settles a question. So there's your fortune of the week. Ah, we've got Neil Crozier from Car Clinic, Lowell, Arkansas. Hello, Neil. Hey, how we doing? We are terrific. Thank you for your patience and hanging out there. The Actually, the most fun part of the entire show is coming up right now is we're going to get a tour of your place. I'm happy to be able to do it for you guys as well. So, so there's a behind-the-scenes story here. You've been in England. How long have you been there? I was there for the last seven days um, okay. visiting the family, you know, just before Christmas. Um, so I can't get over there all the time. But we had uh, just a nice little opening and uh, found some... Well, what I thought was some decent flights to get over at a good price and 
get to see mum before Christmas, you know what I mean? How nice. How nice. And you made it back <laughs> back to the U.S. uneventful, no problems. Give us a tour of the place. So this is the, the front of my shop um, where they can come off the road. We've got quite a busy road here, which is great for passing traffic. Um, in front of us is where the, the staff will park. But uh, over here on the right-hand side of the building, um, the owner has, like, several food trucks going. So it gives us some great visibility at Car Clinic, which is what we like. So they have to drive past me, and it's free advertising while everybody's coming to get lunch. Oh, wow, good. The side of the building just over here, uh, we got, like, a night drop-off or after-hours pickup, And we also have the parts coming through the side as well so that it doesn't really disturb the office on the front if there's anything coming through the front um you know if they've got customers going on or parts people are saying hey where do you want me to put these parts it makes sense to me this is work this is car clinic and we always like to make you feel as home as possible um we have some waiting customers in here this morning and we try to make it comfortable so it's like you're at home if you know what i'm saying yeah and then we have our ladies on the front that like to visit all of our customers. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi. <laughs> our parts go in the back, and uh, basically uh, <laughs> he likes to catch all the parts, which will come back in through the parts door again. It will keep the customers – sorry, it will keep the parts away from the customer area so that uh, everything's separated and nobody's tripping over parts or anything. Nice, clean. I like it. Very nice. Very organized. We do. We have a little station here for the customers if they want coffee or a little snack or anything. And this morning, uh, one of our customers came in for an oil change and bought us donuts. So we were all very happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things we feel very lucky with here is um, when we had the place built, we had enough room to be able to, oh, this is my private collection to keep away from the children. Oh, yes. Um, we feel fortunate that we can have like a nice little kitchen break room so that the techs can actually step away from the workshop and have a break for the lunch or anything that they need to do uh, away from the noisy workshop that it can be sometimes. We like to keep it uh, so if there was an event coming up like we did our lipsticks and dipsticks in this room, we also did our uh, pints for pistons or pints and pistons. So people could come here we had lots of space to spread out and we had vendors on all of these tables spread out and it was a really great event and it was something that we could do in-house as well which we really liked not very often but normally um, our customers love to be able to see what's going on in the workshop and first-time customers can actually see what's going on with their vehicles as well so as we just get to the doors uh, we can actually see the whole workshop and as the front is we like to keep as clean as possible i'll go off to the right over here how many bays we currently have roughly um nine bays uh with seven lifts um we have a couple of flat bays where they can actually uh just do diagnostic work and um not need a lift but then we'll put it onto the lift to do our inspections and anything else that we need to do but when we're diagnosing the car and we don't need that bay we can actually the, um, keep it out of the way and can get another car on the lift to try and keep productivity as um, quick as possible and efficient for the customer. Uh, you're mostly Euro, right? Euro? We are, yes. We uh, do mostly Euro work, but we take on all the domestic work as well. Um, we're in all, yeah, as there's only a two or three Euro shops in the area, um, we found that going to be a Euro shop was a very good thing. And with the experience, we like to keep all of our diagnostic 
stick equipment over on this side so it's away from anything moving quickly with our okay. pitoscope over here. And then we have our uh, snap-on tools and auto logic, which is what we'll use for the European work as well. And that's one of the things that if you haven't got some European tools uh, and you're trying to get into some of the European stuff, we do find that the diagnostics can be a bit challenging. So it was always great to invest in some stuff that you need for the job. Neil, did you build this from scratch and lay it out and design it? Yes, sir, we did. Got it. Wow, cool. Talking of cool, we actually love this little sink. Um, it was like a little barn find, as you'd say. Um, it was literally in a barn. Nothing was happening to it. <laughs> and, you know, the Texan can come up with dirty hands, use the knees to get the water going and get all the hands clean. So Yeah, it's, it's like a surgeon's, surgeon's yeah. sink. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I like that. You know, Very good. In a work, at the end of the day, we, we try to class ourselves as the car doctor. So, you know, it's just one of those little touches with a little bit of... Uh, home feel here if you know what i'm saying <laughs> oh, medical how, how many how many techs work for you neil uh we've currently got four technicians working for okay. us um one of them is currently on vacation in england uh right at the minute he's going to be there for a minute um i have a domestic technician that's been at gm and chevy and i also have two girl technicians um that are actually one has been with me for uh, a couple of years left for a minute because she was going to leave the area, but then she came back and she's like, Hey, I want to work with you guys again. I'm like, get in here. <laughs> but, uh, and that's, uh, Jen, that was our tech that we like, but you know, you got to have girl technicians in the world because everybody loves women and, um, you know, um, it's great. <laughs> yep. So glad to see that. <laughs> it is great when we can hire them. So Neil, how is business and how did you survive COVID? COVID was real tough to start with. Um, we went very quiet. Um, but then all of a sudden, when people started realizing that those at home a little bit longer and there was actually um, able to get those repairs done on the cars, I think when people were starting to realize they'd got a stimulus check coming, um, they started calling saying, hey, you know that work you told me about? Um, can I come and get it done? And we was like, we want to help you. So, um People have come in and started having their oil changes. We've been advertising like normal. Hey, we're still here to help you. Um, we did all the uh, present measures of um, shutting down, sanitizing cars before they come into the shop. We clean them, sanitize them when they go out the shop. We try and make it as clean as possible for them. And when we let the customers know just how we're trying to help them, we was really happy uh, to uh, give them everything that we could uh, in a safe environment and all of a sudden, customers are starting to come back through the door. And even though it was a little bit slower, we actually got busier. So it was very good. And we was able to um, keep going. And we've not had to lay anybody off. We've not had to close any hours off. We've done really well. We're trying to keep it all moving as, uh, uh, as a normal pace for day to day. Tom, it looks like he's got an awful lot of you know workroom there. Yeah, a lot of space, a lot of uh, well laid out benches and equipment and uh, probably do anything you want in there. That's what we try to do. Um, I wanted to make sure that technicians could get around, but at the same time, if we've got to jump from one car to another, we didn't want to run too far away, but we wanted to be able to get like our mobile toolboxes around and the little carts that we have for holding benches yeah. and the workstations that they have their computers on. We wanted to be able to get them around and make sure that nobody didn't have what they need because these days if you haven't got a laptop and something electronic and your toolbox and the internet you know you, you're going to be struggling to get the cars fixed 
yeah. uh, with the technology that you need. No doubt the expansion strategy uh, for you, Neil, is easy because you could add a tech and not have to worry about a new bay, any more equipment, any new lifts. You, you seem to have it all. We've tried to do that. And we have retired a lift, uh, which gave us an extra diagnostic bay, which is where that little red car that we just walked past was sitting. Um, eventually, we may put another lift there, but we found that it's been a great diagnostic bay um, for those diagnostics that really take some time and you've got to get into it. Um, it just helps a lot having the space to move in and out. Got it. Or sometimes, as we've got two uh, red classic cars here, um, when we can't keep the cars outside and the customer's going to be here in a day or two, just having that little, it's nice to be able to just keep those cars at the, at the light. Do you do a lot of classic work, Neil? We do. Um, a lot more than the local competitors. Um, I've started to find that shops around here are saying, well, you've heard of car clinic. He'll take that car and nobody else wants to take it on. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, we're happy to help. And do you have a special rate, labor rate for the classic cars? We do. We try to keep it at the sort of normal rate of our European vehicles, but when it comes in and it becomes a project, we've actually set a project rate because, unfortunately, there's no book times for these cars. Uh, when they come in, and normal brake job might be anything from 1.5 to 2 hours. On these, it might be 2 hours of doing the brakes, but it could be 2 hours of trying to find the parts as well. So we try wow. to... <laughs> Good point. You know, so we try to not scare the customer, but let them know there might be a bit more time because, unfortunately, getting parts and researching and making sure we've got all the correct specs for everything is not just as quick as trying to find the stuff for the more later vehicles. Hey, Neil, thank you so much. Be sure you say hello to your wife, Bambi, who has been a great contributor to the podcast herself. And uh, this was great, Tom. I, I enjoyed this. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, Nothing like a red roadster or two. Yeah, I know. Honest to God. <laughs> well, thanks, Neil. Hang out with us as we kind of move forward here. I want to tell you what's going on next week. Patrick McHugh from Bimmer Rescue, another Bimmer guy uh, from Richmond, Virginia. And uh, we're going to get a tour of Jerry Kaziah's shop, uh, the oh, auto wow. shop in Plano, Texas. Big, huge shop from Jerry. Cool we shop. Can't wait. Can't wait to see that. And don't forget, everybody, Aftermarket Weekly is now a podcast. It's amazing when you think, how can you watch, listen to a podcast when it's virtual and it should be seen? Well, it's amazing. The shop owner does a lot of explanations, and it does bring value. Hey, uh, here's our trivia. Let's end with our trivia, Tom. Who was the Chevrolet chief engineer who was considered the spiritual advisor, father of GM small block engine? Well, the the answer is Ed Cole. And um, according to General Motors, Ed Cole is the spiritual father of GM's small block engine family. He was Chevy's chief engineer at the time of its creation in the early 50s, having just moved over from Cadillac. Work was already underway on a similar V8 at Chevy. When he arrived, it was a thoroughly conventional small displacement engine design, and Cole hated it at first. <laughs> He instructed his engineers to start over and design an engine that was lightweight, compact, and powerful. It was introduced to the public for the 1955 model year, and over 100 million small blocks have been manufactured since that time. 
So, wow. so Whoa. interesting. I know. Hey, look at um, if if you'd love us to uh, tour your place, reach out to me, please. Carm at aftermarketweekly.com. We'd love to have you. And uh, listen, from the entire podcast group and staff and brands and friends, Merry Christmas to you all. Merry well, Christmas. Merry yes, Christmas. Thank you, everybody.